Yes, hello folks, welcome to the special episode of Beyond the Pitch. I'm your host as always, Phil Brown, joined with my fantastic colleague and friend here at the Burnett, Danny Higginbottom. Everybody knows who Danny is, of course, who is now one of the uh, chief commentators for the Philadelphia Union. Of course, actually, players, played in the Premier League, played all the players, one of the best uh, pundits around, everyone knows that. Uh, it's always an honour to have you on. Danny, how are you doing, mate? I'm good, thanks, mate. How are you? It's been a while. Yeah, it has been a while. Uh, you've been a busy man, so uh, what's going on? What's up with life? Oh, enjoying it. Just still um, settling in. Obviously, over in in America, I've joined uh, joined your side of the world, um, yeah. and moved over November. So yeah, just just settling in, doing you know the games in MLS for Philadelphia Union. Been doing stuff with with NBC and a few other companies as well. So it's it's really enjoyable. I'm I'm loving it all, and and obviously the weather at the moment, getting <laughs> a proper summer. So so just getting used to all the sunshine. Yeah, it's. Uh... What's your take so far on America as a football country? Oh, that's an interesting one. It's, from my perspective, I would say exciting because I'm just seeing the growth continuously. Um, obviously, you know, the, the US men's national team in the, in the Gold Cup, uh, the way that they're going about things, the fact that the World Cup is being co-hosted in 2026. Um, and I think one of the big things as well is that obviously MLS from from a lot of people outside of America, you know, it's I'm not saying it's frowned upon, but it's looked at a little bit differently because of the way sports are in America with with the no relegation side of things. But one of the things I would say about MLS is, is there's been huge growth in that as well. I think it's it's a collective effort from everybody because I think everybody appreciates and realizes that you know in order for in, in order for the league to get bigger. I think everybody has to have that one common goal and and it's an absolute mm-hmm. pleasure to to cover the games because when you you know when you're looking at the at the opposition you speak to the opposition uh, commentary team and things like that and th- there's just this there's this united goal um to just make it as big as possible to to help grow but I think I think the potential for growth in in football over here is is absolutely massive and you know I think it's it's something that I'm seeing in front of my eyes growing on a continuous basis as well has there been anything since you've come here that surprised you in terms of I had this perhaps negative perception and this is better than what I thought or, or vice versa? Is there anything that surprised you since coming here made about football? Um, yeah, I would say probably I was a little bit naive um, regarding MLS. Not, not over the last year and a half because obviously, you know, I watched all the union games uh, last season. But just the professionalism of everything, um, the, the quality of the plays in particular, the younger players, and I think we're seeing that now being appreciated by teams in Europe because you're seeing you're seeing players from MLS coming through at certain clubs. You only have to look at uh, Philadelphia Union. You've got Brendan Aronson, who's now uh, um, at, at Salzburg and you know doing really well. You've got uh, Mark McKenzie as well, who's gone to Belgium, and and there's younger players from from other MLS clubs as well going to Europe. So I think I think people are starting to stand up and take notice, and not just that, the setups at football clubs as well. You know, I look at Philadelphia Union, the way that they do things, the identity of the club, you know, bringing young players through, uh, getting them into the first team, giving them the opportunity to shine. And then at times moving on, um, the the training ground sets up the attention to detail of professionalism. So I wouldn't say, I said that I was a little bit, bit naive before I really got into to MLS. Maybe I didn't appreciate just, you know, how professional it, how professional it is. And, you know, long may that continue because I think there's, the shoes potential here. I think you look at a lot of a lot of the games. Um, crowds are filling out. You know, football is growing over here, and I've seen it over the last 12, 13 years when I was visiting. 
just seeing the natural growth of of the game. And, you know, it's, it's always going to be a difficult one because you know more than me that it's not the number one sport in the country. But I think the way the US men's national team's going now, the, the players that obviously aren't involved in the Gold Cup, the, 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 the so-called bigger players, they're all going to be at their peak come 2026 when the World Cup is going to be, like I say, partly hosted in, in America. I know there's another World Cup before then, but I think times are exciting for football in America, definitely. I couldn't agree with you more. Let's turn our attention to Manchester United. It uh, yeah. looks like Rafael Varane is going to get done. Uh, it's been on the cards for a while now. Um, some movement on him today. Um, would be a bigger story now if he didn't sign them, if he did. Yeah. Uh, tell me, is what does Rafael Varane bring to Manchester United? I think he brings a lot. I think, first and foremost, he's a top-class defender. Um, I think... When, when you look at Manchester United over recent seasons, yes, you know, Harry Maguire is, is, is the number one centre-back. There's no question about that. Then, you know, you've had Lindelof, who's been his regular part, partner over the last season or, or so. You've got Bailly, who's there as well. Um, obviously, you know, you've got Phil Jones, who's who suffered with injury. But the one of the things that I would say is that when you talk about Manchester United collectively with centre-backs, it's not a case of you know, being really poor centre-backs. It's a case of the centre-backs being very similar. So, you know, when, when when you see teams play two up front or when you used to see teams play two up front all the time, centre-forwards were opposites. So you had one that would want to stretch the game and one that would want to come a little bit deeper. Those were always the best partnerships. You never had two centre-forwards that were the same. The same with central midfielders as well, the partnership. One would be the sitting midfielder, the other one would be the one that would be more, more of the box-to-box, the one that would do the attack inside of things. When I look at United at the moment with the centre-backs that they have, they're, they're all front-foot centre-backs. They all want to be the one that's going to go and win that challenge. And the way that Social wants to play, I think we've seen it, You know, they want to play counter-attack, they want to be able to press high. The problem is when when you want to play that way, you know, it, it's an identity that, that the club has, something that Solskjaer's wanted to do, I think, from the early days when he took over, that he wanted energy in the team. The problem is when you have two centre-backs that are so similar and both want to push high, you can leave space in behind. And I think that's what's happened at times, you know, when, when teams have actually countered against United over the last couple of seasons and United have conceded goals, it's when the ball's gone behind both centre-backs. And I think with a player like Varane, you know, you look at him when he played a lot of the time alongside Ramos at Real Madrid. Ramos was the aggressor. Ramos was the one that wanted to go and win everything. He was the assertive one. He was the, he was, a, if, if you look at Manchester United centre-backs over mm. the years, you know, the top-class centre-backs, he was the Vidic. And I just think that Varane has the ability and he has the pace to be able to play the one that is the cover. So what it means is that, for example, if, you, if and when you put Varane in this team, Aaron Maguire goes to be the aggressor, but he knows if he doesn't win the ball, he knows that if the ball's played over his head, that he's got a sweeper, so to speak, or a centre-back behind him that has the pace and the intelligence to cover, rather than be a centre-back that's similar to Harry Maguire that wants to be the aggressor, leaving space in behind. So you have to look at partnerships that way. I think what you want to see in, in one centre-back is a certain strength. And then in the other centre-back, you want to see the strengths that the other centre-back doesn't have. And I think that that's something that, that Varane brings to, to this United team that no other centre-back has, as well as being a top-class centre-back and the fact that he can play out with the ball at his feet as well, which is something that Solskjaer wants to do. So, Solskjaer has talked about wanting to play a 4-3-3. Varane plays in a three for France at the back. Um, can he play 
does he give Solskjaer the ability to play a 4-3-3? Yeah, I, I think that he does. I think that when, when you look at a 4-3-3, I always believe that you have to have, or more often than not, you have to have two players behind the ball. Sorry, four players behind the ball. So you have to have your two centre-backs or your three centre-backs and one defensive midfielder, two centre-backs and two defensive midfielders or two centre-backs, a defensive midfielder and a full-back. So potentially, if you're going to play 4-3-3, if, if Social wants to play 4-3-3, then he, he has the ability to either go with two of the two of the three in midfield being sitters with both fullbacks going forward he has the ability to have one fullback for example obviously we'll go on to, to Sancho I'm sure but he has the ability to say right okay well if Sancho's going to play on the right he's going to give more width he's going to be an old school winger on the right hand side whereas if he plays on the left he's going to tuck inside creating space for Luke Shaw so you can have a situation there where you can say right Wambasaka when we're attacking, when it, if it's predominantly down the left-hand side, then you can come and tuck in and you can make that extra defensive midfielder, so to speak. Something that Manchester City have done for a number of years under Guardiola. And that enables you to play with one defensive midfielder in a 4-3-3 mm-hmm. and then two midfielders that can then advance. So with Solskjaer, he has the ability to do that. And I think he's now building a squad that it's going to enable enable him to have that variety, whether it be a change of system, whether it's just a change of style within a system. And it's one of the things that you always hear being mentioned when a new player joins a football club. Okay, well, who's going to suffer? Who's going to come out of the team? I think we've seen a lot of the time now that with your top clubs, a lot of the time it has to be rotation. And I think at certain, at certain stages over the last couple of seasons for Manchester United, one of the things we've seen is that they've run out of steam towards the end of the season and just got over the line or, or suffered in cup final competitions. And I think when you're bringing in players like Sancho, when you're bring, bringing in players like, like Varane, you're, you're not saying that they're not going to be starters, but what it does, it just gives you extra ability and it gives you extra strength on the bench as well for whoever's going to drop out of the team. How does Varane change what you needed need in the defensive midfield position, because I felt when I've looked at some of United's targets in the past, at least at Thiago mm. and Octavia, United were looking for more of a ball-playing defensive midfielder that could link from defence in the midfield rather than an old-fashioned defensive midfielder that was physical almost in the Kante mode. So yeah. Varane is a ball-playing defender. Uh, how does that change how United, uh, what they target as a defensive midfielder? Do they stay with Fred? Uh, is what they have sufficient? It's it's an interesting one because I think one of the things that I said when when Harry Maguire signed was that his signing can not only make United stronger defensively, but it can also make them stronger attacking wise. Because I think if you look over over the last few years, a lot of United's worst results have come against the so-called lesser teams, teams that want to sit back against a team like United. And United have found themselves getting frustrated because the opposition have sat really deep. So there's been no there's been no real spaces to utilise the pace of a Greenwood or, or a Rashford, Martial when he was playing or a James when he was playing. There wasn't really that opportunity, that space to get in behind. So teams nullified and, and really frustrated United. So what you have with Maguire, but not just that, when you bring Varane into, into the conversation as well, what you have is, is, is a situation where you have two centre-backs that are comfortable on the ball. Now, we know that probably 75% of the teams, even 80, 80, 85% of the teams at United will come up against in the Premier League. 
they're going to sit back and they're going to sit deep in probably a 4-5-1 or a 5-4-1 and just say to United, right, okay, you attack us and we're going to counter you. And they're able to, they've been able at certain periods to keep that shape and then punish United when United have, have had to get out of shape themselves. I think when you bring another centre-back, another ball-playing centre-back into the equation, it changes the dynamics because a lot of teams that, that come up against opposition that just want to sit back, they have, they have centre-backs that are prepared to, to, to break the line, so to speak, to prepared to go into that midfield area. So what happens is if you have a Maguire or if you have Varane, they have the ability to get the ball and drive into midfield. A lot of the time you'll be able to play through the one centre forward that's going to be defending. And then you're getting into the midfield. And the aim then is to say, right, okay, if one of your centre-backs for United is driving out with the ball, can you dismantle the opposition midfield? And the way that you have to do that, the way you have to go about that is to take the ball forward and eventually a central midfielder is going to have to release himself. And it becomes a knock-on effect because if he releases himself to go to the one of, United, one of the United centre-backs that's going out, all of a sudden a Fernandez, a Pogba, um, a Rashford, a Sancho, whoever it may be, they'll find themselves free because the man that was supposed to be marking them has had to leave them to go to a centre-back. And that creates a little bit of a knock-on effect. So what happens then is if the ball is able to able to be transferred higher at the pitch to like to one of the players I've just mentioned, all of a sudden, that man's free. A centre-back then has to free themselves. And before you know it, you've created that space and you've created that bit of turmoil for a defensive unit that's that was really set to be solid and sound. And that's why centre-backs now, you know, you look at a lot of the things that, that people say now, the first thing, it drives me crazy, but one of the first things that you hear about centre-backs is, always oh, good with a ball at his feet. It's not necessarily how good a defender he is. But that's why it's becoming so important now that centre-backs can play out because we're, we're in a, an ever-evolving um, tactical game where I think at the moment, probably counter-attacking is at the forefront and most teams, even the best teams, want to counter-attack. But in order to do that, you have to be able to score that first goal. And sometimes it can be difficult when you're coming up against a defence that defends deep and narrow. And that's where the centre-backs taking the ball out can really come into play. Now, let me ask you about the midfield situation, because uh, rumours gathering pace this morning, Paul Pogba is subject to a yeah. bid from PSG. Wouldn't shock me if he ended up going. Do you need, need to replace Paul Pogba if he leaves? Yeah, I think so. He's it's a, it's a really frustrating one with Paul Popper because for me on his day he's a world class player, and one of the things that that's been said and has pro- and and has probably been you know said against Pogba at times before is that why is he a different player when he plays for France than when he plays mm-hmm. for Manchester United? And one of the accusations is is that and you hear it all the time he he tries harder and and, and what have you when he plays with France. I don't agree with that whatsoever. He's playing in a different setup. He has different players around him that allow him to go and express himself and allow him to go and be free or higher up the pitch, or to dictate from deep. So it's it's a difficult one. I still feel that you know if he if 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 he wanted to stay at Manchester United and you know United wanted to keep him. For me, he could. He's still a difference maker, mm-hmm. in in order of being an also ran to being you know someone that's going to challenge for the Premier League title. But in order to do that, you have to find what is his best position. And for me, it's either if you're going to play a four-two-three-one, it's one of the city midfielders where he can dictate from deep, and you've got Fernandez higher at the pitch, or it isn't a four-three-three where he can have a little bit more freedom going forward. So. 
I don't think it's all down to, you know, why does Paul Pogba shine in a, in a, in a French shirt, but he's inconsistent in a United shirt. It's because when I look at the, the, the French national team, a lot of the time, I'm not saying 100%, but a lot of the time when you look at the team, the team is, the team, it's not necessarily built around Pogba, but it's engineered so you can get the best out of him. And I don't think that's been the case at United for, for such a long time. Now, if you can bring in certain players that would complement Paul Pogba, then yeah, 100%, then what, then, then you can build a team around him. And, you know, I, I would, I personally, am probably in the minority, but I would love to see him stay at Manchester United. You know, I know that there's a lot been said about him and about his age and about wanting to leave and things like that. But I just think that if he's, if, if he is in a team that's, that's constructed in a way that he's able to flourish, if he leaves from leaves Manchester United, then you're going to see a different player. And, and in my opinion, you know, and this this goes for all the top teams. You build your teams around your best players. Mm-hmm. And for me, Paul Pogba is one of the best players. It's just you know whether he wants to be at the club and 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 how the manager sees it as well. Let me ask you about uh, another young man, Danny Van der Beek. I, in my opinion, Dan, you never pass judgment on a player on one good season. And by the same token, you don't pass judgment on a player by one bad season. We always look for mm. that second season to confirm our, our suspicions whether someone's good enough or not. Would you keep Danny Van der Beek? Have you seen enough in him to think, you know what, he could become a top player for Manchester United? Or are we looking at a guy that just isn't suited to the Premier League in the way Manchester United play? I think it's, I think you've hit the nail on the head, Phil. I think it's really difficult mm. because we've not seen enough of him on a consistent basis. I think it's very, very difficult to, to make a case for or against until you see a player, you know, there's no, there's no doubt about it, that the quality that he has. We saw it at Ajax in that unbelievable Champions League when he's got the ability. But in order sometimes for a player to be able to stand out and to get consistency, you need to be playing week in, week out. So I think the question that will be asked is, where does he fit in at Manchester United? You know, if whatever system United play, does he fit into a 4-3-3? Yes, he fits into a 4-3-3. We know that Ajax have done that for a number of seasons. Does he fit into a 4-2-3-1? Yes, he'd fit into a 4-2-3-1 as well. But it's at whose expense? And is it is it for a player that's actually performed better than Van der Beek? So that's that's probably the thing where it's difficult to give an answer on that one because we've not actually seen enough of him. You know, if, if he'd have had his first season and he'd have started... 25, 30, 35 games and it hadn't gone according to plan. We'd be sat here saying, well, let's just see because a lot of the times it it takes players time to settle and it's his second year coming up. So let's see what he's got. Now we're talking about a player that's going into his second year and he probably only started maybe a handful of games. So it's really, it's really difficult to tell. And sometimes players can take a bit of time to adjust but he's not had anywhere near the amount of game time that he would have been hoping for to be able to prove that he should be in the starting eleven. So, you know, if he can have a strong pre-season, I'm sure he'll be given that opportunity. But, you know, he didn't get a consistent run in the team last year to be able to show wholeheartedly whether he is good enough or he isn't good enough or whether he fits into the style that Solskjaer wants to play. Let's give it Marcus Rashford. First of all, state mm. the obvious. What an amazing, impeccable young man who is an absolute yeah. privilege and an honour that he plays for his football club. Um, yeah. On the football side, I want to ask you a question because it's been rumoured that Rashford needs an operation to be out to the end of October. And there's some of those saying, well, why did he go to the Euros? Why didn't he get it done before? Surely, if he needs an operation, he should have done it before. Dean Henderson went and got an operation. Uh, Lingard went and got one. Why didn't... 
Marcus Rashford stay, or is that unfair criticism? I think in, in those situations, you're going to be damned if you do and damned if you don't. Because on one side, people was people will be saying, "Well, yeah, you know what? He shouldn't he shouldn't have gone to the Euros, and he should have got the operation, and you know, then he would be he he would be in a, in a position where he was able to probably start preseason or start the season for Manchester United." But then, for another side of things, is this is a young player being called up to England's Euro squad, which has been hosted predominantly, you know, for England games in England. So why would you not? You know that, and and that's the way that I tend to look at it. Yes, you know what he, he plays for Manchester United week in week out, and he's a Manchester United player. But you, if you have the opportunity to go to to go to the Euros with your with your national team, then you're going to do that. Now, who knows? It may have been something that when he was called up, it wasn't a huge issue. It may have flared up during his time there. You know, no nobody nobody knows the the full the full side of things. But but I back Marcus Rashford in, is in terms of you know I, th- there can be no bigger honour than playing for than playing for your country and representing you, representing your country at a, at a major tournament. And people will say, oh yeah, well he didn't really play that much. He wasn't to know that, right? So I, I I'm in a situation where you're always I'm always going to defend the player in that situation because you know representing representing your country you know to represent England is is an incredible achievement it must be an unbelievable feeling that that I could only have dreamed of. So, you know, I'm never going to turn around and say, oh, yeah, you shouldn't have gone to the Euros. You should have got the operation done. That's, that's not how things work in football. So, you know, I back, I back Marcus Rashford 120%. Let's give it Jesse Lingard. I uh, had a fantastic six months at West Ham. Uh, the reason why I was loaned out, it still exists in the sense that he can't dislodge um, Jesse, uh, Bruno Fernandes out of the team. But if, let's say, Paul Pogba was to leave, maybe there's an opportunity for Lingard there to play on the left. Uh, but if you're Jesse Lingard and you have another disappointing six months, the previous six months at West Ham will quickly be forgotten. Does he cash in now on his reputation being a peak value and move on, or should he stay in it? Oh, it's a difficult one. I thought when we saw him at West Ham, that was that's that's the Lingard that you know that, that we'd seen previously who can turn a game completely on its head. He completely changed the dynamics at West Ham. I just think, you know, once again, I look at it as, as a squad. And one of the things, I think one of the things that, that we've seen with United is that a lot of the times they've had this, this outstanding start in eleven that, you know, are going to be a match for, for most teams in the Premier League. But I think more often than not, what we had seen as well during the season was that, we could probably name United's best front four and it wouldn't change a lot of the time unless there was an injury or, you know, maybe a little bit of a bit of fatigue, tiredness coming in. And a lot of time that was obviously Fernandez. You had uh, Rashford, uh, Greenwood. And then, you know, the only one really where you'd look at different times was Cavani. He was playing up front. Greenwood would play up front at times. And, you know, maybe Pogba would play a little bit higher up the pitch. So... If, if I'm Lingard, I'm looking, I'm thinking he's going to get his opportunity. I think there's going to be times when, you know, I think Solskjaer would like to be able to freshen the team up at, on certain occasions when players are just feeling a little bit. And I think we saw that at certain points of the season. I think it looks like from what Lingard did last season that he's once again getting back to his best. And the biggest thing for me was seeing Lingard playing with a smile on his face. 
because that's that's how we've always seen him, you know, when he when he's been enjoying his football. And I think when he's playing with a smile on the face, on his face, he it brings out the best in him. And I think at West Ham that that showed he was absolutely magnificent. So, you know, if if you're Jesse Lingard, okay, you may want you may look at it and think, right, okay, well, I do want a I do want a different change of scenery. But I think I look at Lingard and I think he's a player that can be valuable to this to this United squad. Mm. I'm not saying necessarily starting every single week, but he is a game changer that can come off the bench and make a difference, that, that can start games as well. So, you know, if, if I'm him, listen, I think he's a great talent. And, and if I'm him, I'm not in a rush to be moving anywhere because he's done well in pre-season and I think he'll get opportunities. He didn't answer, why did Solskjaer want them? What does he bring to Manchester United? Uh, what should we expect from next season? I think with Sancho, he brings versatility. He brings versatility. Um, I think one of the things you saw is that we've seen him play on the left, we've seen him play on the right. There's not predominantly one side that he tends to play. And I think when you when you look at his stats, a lot of it is down the right half of the time, down the left half of the time. You know, his goals have come from either side as well. But I think what you can what you can see, I think if you look at United at the moment, they have they have two fullbacks. Very good fullbacks. One is a lot more attack minded and has a lot more end product than the other one, and that's Luke Shaw. Whereas you've got Wan Bissaka on the right hand side, who is, I think, developing as, a, as an attacking fullback. I don't think he's anywhere near the point of Luke Shaw yet. So what you have there, you have a player in Sancho who who would work perfectly in tandem with either fullback. So if he's playing on the right hand side, he tends to keep his width more. And if you're keeping your width more, you don't need a, a, a fullback to overlap you. Because what you want to do, you want to get the opposition fullback 1v1. The last thing you want in those situations is your own fullback coming forward and dragging someone else into the situation. So that enables Wan Bissaka to back up Sancho. You know, and we know what Wan Bissaka's strengths are. It is more on the defensive side, although he's, he's developing going forward. Whereas if you look on the other side, if Sancho plays on the left hand side, we know that he's going to drive inside with the ball. So if he's driving inside with the ball, then you need the whip from the fullback coming forward. And that's what you get from Luke Shaw. So I think he fits into this team perfectly. I think the fact that he has the flexibilities in terms of can play on the right, can play on the left, you know, could play as a 10 if needed, but, you know, predominantly he's, he can play on the right or that left-hand side. I think the simple fact of that he, he really complements the, the two fullbacks on either side as well. And it's not just that. I think what you get with a player like Sancho as well, I think he's a game changer. I think he's a player that can cause something from nothing. But not just that. One of the things I would say to you as well is that if I said to you, right, here's, say Manchester United went 4-2-3-1, for example, and we said, right, here's a front four, and your front four is Fernandez, Sancho, Rashford, obviously, you know, when he gets back fit, and Greenwood. Right, if I said those four names to you, yeah, who who's playing where? Uh, Sancho on the right, um, Rashford on the left, uh, Fernandez and behind Cavani down the middle. Cavani or Greenwood down the middle. But yeah. could that not be if it just say for example it, it was Greenwood? Could that not be Greenwood on the right, Sancho yeah. on the left, yeah. Rashford up front? Could it not be you, you Sancho? Yeah, you, exactly. Exactly. So, so it's interchangeable. And I remember like some of the times when 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 I used to play against Manchester City, when you used to play against Manchester United, when you used to play against the top, top teams, you'd see their starting eleven, and you'd be like, I don't know who I'm going to be marking today. I can't remember playing yeah. against the great Manchester United teams. Great point, one, yeah. minute I'd be, one, one minute I'd be marking Ronaldo. 
Then Nanny would drift over and I'd be marking him. Mm-hmm. And then just to add, just to add a little bit more difficulty, the next thing, uh, Wayne Rooney's drifting over to me. Yeah. So it was really difficult. And I think what you have, when you look at that front four, yes, predominantly Fernandez will be in that number 10 position. I think we can say that he's not necessarily mm-hmm. going to play on the left or the right or as a forward. But when you look at the other three places around him, it's like, right, okay, if Sancho starts on the right, maybe he's, maybe he's not having the best of times. I'll tell you what, swap wings with, with Rashford. Greenwood's not having the best of times up front. It's okay, tell you what, you go, you go and spend 10, 15 minutes out on the wing and we'll put Rashford up front. Or you've got Cavani there who can drop deep and play that false number nine. So what you've got is a collection of four players that, yes, you can see the team sheet and you can guess where they're going to be playing, but you can guarantee it that they're not going to spend all their time in that position. And I know from experience, when you play it against the top teams, there is nothing worse when you've got a front four or front three, whatever it may be, that is consistently interchanging. All of a sudden, you've got Sancho popping up on the on the, the left-hand side, Rashford yeah. going over to the right. It, it just becomes so difficult to deal with. So I think Sancho brings the element of surprise. I think he suits both the full-backs that, that United have. He brings pace. He brings um, youth. Mm-hmm. He brings energy. And I just think it's an all-round fantastic signing to, to you know, to to a transfer window that I've been pleasantly surprised with so far, with Sancho and obviously with Varane coming, because if we look back at previous seasons with United, a lot of the times what you've seen is that when they qualify for the Champions League, they don't tend to spend too much money. It's when they yeah. don't qualify for the Champions League, they spend money. Now, there'll be an argument to say that everything that happened earlier on in the season is in terms of, you know, fans doing what they what they did and voicing their opinion, voicing their distaste mm-hmm. at, at certain things. Has that had a bit of a say in it? Nobody knows. But what I would say is that the way that United are going about things this season is more often than not, it's very, very different to a United summer yep. transfer window when they've qualified for the Champions League. And that's brilliant to see. Like, I mean, look, Dan, there's two answers to the question. Did they listen? Yeah. The answer is yes or no. Let's say they did listen. Then that's mm. encouraging that they've listened and they've responded. Right? Yeah. There's, that, that, there's, that's not a negative. If they didn't, then they were going to do this anyway. That's encouraging yeah. too. So I'm looking at this and I'm going, you know, they've got the bulk of their business done in time for pre-season, which is just Huge. incredible, unusual and, and great. And now Solskjaer knows in his head exactly what he's what, what the bulk of that squad's going to be going into next season. Maybe you add one or two more, but you, you, the, heart, the, the heart and soul of it's done, which is great. Um, that being said, Solskjaer's just got a new contract. Yeah. What is realistic to expect of Solskjaer next season? Should United fans just say, look, Oi, it's been a couple of years, you've been given a few hundred million, now get the highest net spend in Europe. It's time to start delivering. Yeah, I think so. But I, I think I, I think Solskjaer's aware of that. You know, I think that you know when when he came in, I think he's you know people look at everything that's gone on on the pitch. But you look at the players that have left the club. You look at the you look at the the average age as well. You look at I don't know what's going to be happening with Martial, but you look at Martial. You look at Rashford, Greenwood, Fernandez, Diallo, Shaw, Henderson, Pelistri. Uh, Wan-Bissaka, McTominay, Sancho, and there'll be more, all 26 or under. That means that this team has growth together. All those players I just mentioned, they're not even at their peak yet. And that's something that I think is so important because in order to have success, all right, it doesn't happen every time, but more often than not, when you have success, whatever level that may be at, it's all about consistency. 
So he's got a group of players now that can grow together. He's got a group of player that have the group of players that have gone through a lot, whether it be with their national teams, whether it be domestically with the club as well. He's got a group of players that have great experience now as well. So I think this I think this is a is a group that can grow together. You know, we look at we know Cavani came in, but other than that, there's there's not been there's not been any real signings other than goalkeepers, which I always put to a different side anyway, because they peak differently than outfield players. There's not really been a time when we've seen quick fixes from Solskjaer. You know, it's been about, mm-hmm. right, okay, we want to sign this player and it's not just for this season. Like I say, with Cavani, Cavani's come in, but he's, he looks as fit as a 26-year-old. He's been, he's been incredible. And similar to Ibrahimovic, he can only be a good thing for the Rashfords, for the Greenwoods, players like that, for Sancho coming in. He can only be good for players like that because what they can learn from him is invaluable. Um, and I look at United over the years, they've signed players that spent big money on them straight away. Not that it's a business, but straight away, there's no resale value on them. And realistically, you're only going to get two, maybe three years at maximum for them because of the age that they're at. But you look at this group of players now, and if they remain together, this is five or six years for each of the for each of these players yep. at the top of their game. So for me, that's exciting. And I think at times what can happen because of everybody says, well, you know, well, what social one in the game, this, that, and what have you. My argument would be you've had Van Hall at the club, who's won near enough everything there is to win in the game. You had Mourinho that's won near enough everything there is to win in the game. Now, but but what happened there? And then obviously there was the talk of Pochettino. People still talk about Pochettino, about, you know, he should have come in because he's this, he's that, the way he looks at players and things like that. I think Pochettino is an unbelievable manager. I really do. I think he's an incredible manager. I think what he did at Tottenham with the young players, keeping that group together for so long was absolutely brilliant. But you can't have on one hand saying that Manchester United needs a manager that is a proven winner and has won trophies. And then you're saying Pochettino has to come to the club at the time when Pochettino had won nothing as a manager. So it's, it's, I, I get what people say about the experience and things like that, but United have been there. United have done that as in terms of having top managers that, that, that have won things and, and have had, and have so much experience and it's, it's not got them back to, where you know United fans believe they belong. So now what you've got is a manager in place in Solskjaer who has an identity. You see the type of players that he's signing more often than not. They're young players that, that are still not at their peak. You see the way that he wants to play. You see the way that, you know, whether, whether people like it or not or choose to actually take notice of it, he's done a lot as in terms of getting players that he didn't want out of the that he didn't want at the club. He's done a lot to to get them away and to and to free things up and things like that. So, you know, I'm I'm fully behind people say, oh, it's just because you know you, you know Solskjaer a bit. And I get that, but it's nothing to do with that. Manchester United is the club that I support. It's a club that I love. United finished second last season, I think 12 points behind Manchester City. This next this season coming, it's all about bridging that gap. There's no, there's no question about it. It's about bridging that gap. It's, it's going one step further in a cup competition as well. And what you want to see every year is progression. Yeah. And whether, pe- whether people choose to take notice of it or not, that's what you're seeing at United. You're seeing progression, getting closer, finishing second. So it, it's step by step. It, it is getting better. But 
there will be people out there, regardless of what Solskjaer does, he's not the right man. And, you know, and that's what is so, so good about football. Everybody has their opinion and everybody's entitled to it. Completely agree, mate. We shall see, Don. It's always an absolute pleasure to have you on here, big man. Always such Likewise. detailed and insight that always gets my brain working over time. Thank you so much for joining <laughs> me, mate. Keep up the great work. And I obviously would love to have you back here uh, whenever you're next available. So take it easy, Don. All the best, mate. Anytime, mate. Take care, Cheers, mate. Bye-bye.